Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. There once was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country and he began to feel it. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all these farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am, starving to death. I'm going back to my father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a prize-winning heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stomped off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money shows up and you go all out with a feast. His father said, Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. Well, hey, Decatur City Church, I am uh, so excited to be jumping into a brand new uh, three-part series entitled Prodigals. It's all about how to get back on track, uh, regardless of what uh, you're facing in life. Um, Before I jump in, I 
thought I'd just kind of ask a question. Has anyone ever made a decision that at that time uh, you were confident that at that time it was the right decision? All right. So I'll give a little bit of example. Okay. So perhaps um, it was a house that you bought, uh, a car uh, that you leased. I've been there before. Thought I could handle the payments and I couldn't. Uh, A job that you turned down. And today, months or years later, as you look back at that decision, you know today um, that it was the wrong uh, decision. Uh, In 2009, I had just graduated from seminary. Tiffany and I had been married for about four years. We didn't have kids at the time. I was an athletic director and basketball coach, and so I was really raking in the money. I'm just, we were just, we were just swimming in it. And so um, I took a significant part of our net worth, um, about 95% of it at the time, is $5,000, and I bought 50 shares of a little-known technology company uh, called Apple. It's $100 a share. This is my very first investment in the stock market, and, and here's what happens. Again, you invest in the stock market for the first time. Perhaps my people here that you've done this. Um, you, you watch all of the daily fluctuations like a hawk. After purchasing the shares, I saw my original purchase price, again, $100 a share. It went from $100 a share to $95 a share. I immediately logged onto my brokerage account and sold everything. Today, (laughs) those shares, had I not sold, would be worth $137,000. Dollars. I missed it. I know. In life, what is equally as important as owning your mistakes is having a plan to get back on track so that you can continue to move forward. Some of you today are perhaps in the middle of situations where things aren't going as well as you would like or headed in the right direction. Perhaps it's a relational challenge with a spouse or a friend, a health concern. Issues balancing work and personal life. Perhaps uh, for some of you here, you're a follower of Jesus. And if you're honest today in this season, uh, your relationship with God feels distant. Perhaps you have very little motivation to pray, to read your Bible, to fellowship with other believers. Perhaps it's a recent financial decision or, or maybe anxiety over a child who's struggling in school. And, and these are just some of the ones that I've dealt with personally, and I'm sure that there are others in the room that I didn't mention. Uh, In this series, we are going to unpack an ancient story or parable told by Jesus, and we'll discover some key steps for getting back on track, regardless of what we're facing. We're going to start in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verse 1, and then we're going to pick up in verse 11. If you're new to church, Uh, Luke is a doctor by profession. He's also a historian. And Luke is actually one of the earliest gospel writers who who kind of takes a lot of eyewitness testimony and compiles it on the life of Jesus. Before we jump in, here's the context. Jesus is engaged in public ministry. This is around the time of Jesus' ministry where he's done a number of healings. Uh, he's, he's teaching, and crowds are beginning to gather around Jesus, and, and they, they want to hear what he has to say. It's a diverse uh, crowd. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, the words are going to be in the screen, and we'll start in verse 1. Chapter 15 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners 
were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, if you were trying to start a religious movement in the first century, this is not the group of people that you would choose. Tax collectors were Jews who who worked for the Roman Empire, the invading Roman Empire. And here's how they made their money. They enriched themselves by collecting taxes and keeping for themselves more than Rome had required. Sinners were those who, who knew the moral and ceremonial laws of the time. And in light of knowing the laws, they transgressed them anyway. Here's how I love the New Living Translation describes these people as notorious sinners. It would have been listed on their LinkedIn profile. Here's what it says in verse 2. It says, but the Pharisees, who are the religious teachers of the day, these are the folks who went to seminary. They know the law back and forth. They've got tremendous influence with the people. It says that the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This man, Jesus, he, he shows dignity to people regardless of their background, regardless of their age or stage in life. And so here's the context. It says, so in response To the criticism of the religious leaders, Jesus begins to tell a story to illustrate his mission, his plan, the reason that he has come to the earth. And here's the priority number one, seeking and saving the lost, including those who are off track in any area of their lives. He makes it clear. And in verse 11, Jesus begins to tell this story to illustrate this truth. It says in verse 11, it says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me the share of my estate. So the father divided his property between them. A a younger son in this time in which Jesus is telling this story, who, who would ask for his father's inheritance while the father alive is essentially saying to his father, I wish that you were dead. Verse 13, it says, not long after that, the younger son, he got together all that he had and then he set off for a distant country. For us, it might have been Las Vegas or Miami Beach or for people that grew up in my kind of generation, it might have been Atlantic City. But he set off for a distant country and here's what the scripture says. It says that he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he spent everything, It says there was a severe famine in the land, in that whole country, and he began to be in need. I looked up the word everything in this particular scripture, what it might have meant in the Greek, the original language, to see if we might have missed anything in translation. And when I looked up the word everything, it meant everything. He says, he said, he, he squandered everything. And here's what happens in a time of famine. A time of famine, food is scarce, economic activity grinds so hard. So one of the things that I kind of think about is, is that this does not put you in the best situation moving forward. Here's what it says in verse 15. It says, so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. And what I want us to capture this morning is that this is not Fox, this is not Fox barbecue. All right? The, the pigs were animals in this particular culture that most people did not want to interact with. This would not have been a desirable job for someone of Jewish 
descent. But again, he's away from home. He's easily in a position where he can be easily exploited. And here's what verse 16 says. It says that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. And here's how bad it gets. It says it in verse 16, but no one gave him anything. So he finds himself in this foreign land, this foreign situation. And, and, and here's what the text says in verse 16. It says that, that the situation has gotten so bad for him is that he is longing for something that was created for pigs. And, and so I want you to imagine uh, for a moment, and, and one of the things that I try to do whenever I teach or have the opportunity to preach is to just kind of like get into the story, to imagine, man, the, the sights, the sounds, the smells, like what was going on, what would have been the reaction to the original audience. And so one of the things that I kind of thought through as I was getting ready today was just trying to figure out like, okay, man, I, I got me some, some pot-bellied pig feet. Any country folks in here, you've seen this before? So I, I went and got some pot-bellied um, pig feet and, and part of what I had to think through is, is how bad would it be in my life for this pig feet to look and to smell and to desire it as I would a filet mignon. Like, like how, how bad would it have to be in your life that, that as the pigs are being fed, as this is being poured, that you look at this longingly and desire for a little bit of a taste. And I always want to be inclusive this morning. If you're a vegetarian or vegan, just imagine roasted broccoli. But just imagine kind of, kind of in your life, uh, like, like what, what type of circumstance would, would you have to be in to, to be there? And so here's what I want you to imagine this morning is that the younger brother is navigating unexpected circumstances in the same way that we do. And here's what an unexpected circumstances in your life. It's when you find yourself in a place that if you had to be honest with yourself and as you thought about the voice in your head, you could never imagine that you would be here. Like if you were kind of writing the story of your life, if you kind of were in control, like you would have never imagined that you would be in that unexpected place. So what's the process for getting back on track? If you're looking for something to write down, this morning. Uh, This is it. I want to encourage you to remember that where you are in life doesn't change who you are. I want you to remember when you experience the unexpected circumstances in your life, things that you couldn't plan on, things that you wouldn't have wrote into your own story, I want you to remember that where you are in life doesn't change who you are. Uh, A few weeks ago, um, Two of, my, two of my five sons were in the, the living room, and they were just kind of doing what kids do. I've got six kids from four, from four to 14. I've got five boys, so it is as crazy as you can imagine in your head. Like, that's, that's my life. So I come into the living room, and my two youngest sons are kind of going back and forth. They're watching something on TV. My youngest son, Shaden, has some Cheerios in his hand. He's four. 
Shaw uh, is kind of right there hanging with him. Shay does a huge cannonball with the Cheerios. Y'all can kind of see how this is going. Like Shay does a huge cannonball with the Cheerios in his hand into the sofa. The Cheerios fly out. They spill everywhere. They're on the floor. They're on the carpet. They're behind the sofa. Uh, My six-year-old son yells out, five-second rule. (laughs) He yells out, five-second rule. And and perhaps if you've not been around kids or, you know, you've never heard this, here's what the five-second rule is. The five-second rule is, is that you can eat anything that's on the floor as long as it's before five seconds. So Shay, my, my little one, my four-year-old, he just, he starts going to town. He get, grabs the Cheerios. He's picking the Cheerios up. He's putting them in his mouth. He's putting the ones on the carpet in his mouth. And then he's kind of grabbing the ones under the sofa. And, and here's what, what kind of flipped me out. He, he, start, he goes behind the, the sofa and he starts eating the Cheerios that are behind the sofa. So I walk over to him. And I, I lovingly remind him in my best Lion King Mustafa, Mustafa voice. I say, son, you're not a pet. And you have unlimited access to all the food that your mom and I have purchased for you. And then I got kind of urban and I said, bro, <laughs> there are also Cheerios in the pantry. How does that relate to the story of the younger brother? The good news of the gospel is that when you have a relationship with God through Jesus, you have not only been forgiven of your past and your present and your future sins, you've, you've also received Christ's spirit who lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is the, is the confirmation of your identity as son or daughter of the Father, and nothing can change that. No unexpected circumstance, nothing that you've experienced in your life that you would not have written in. Your identity is based on who Jesus is and what he has done. In Christ, where you are is not who you are. And what we also have to understand is often at times when we find ourselves in these unexpected places, what God is often doing in our life is that he uses these unexpected places to grow us, to develop us, to shape us for who he desires for us to be. Your heavenly father is committed to using the distant places in your life to conform you, your character, because he has a purpose and a plan for your life that only you can fulfill. So the question that we're going to ask today, or look to answer today, is, is how, do we, how do we live this out? Um, if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I would invite you to, to consider this, to try some of these applications this week. Here are the three questions that I want you to consider. The first one is, what is your distant place? Similar to what the younger brother experienced, here's the distant place. The distant place is any area in your life where you never thought you would be, where the peace and comfort of home feel absent, 
It is where the unexpected personal, spiritual, relational, and financial discomfort reside. Secondly, I want you to invite you to consider your need or your longing. This is the younger brother. He, he, he had a legitimate longing and need for the pods that were made to satisfy the hunger of the pig. Here's one of the things I want you to know this morning is, is that it's possible to have a legitimate need, but to be in the wrong place. So here's what he says. So here's the question we have to ask. Like in your distant place, in in the place that causes the discomfort, the anxiety, here's the question you got to ask. Like what's what's the legitimate need that you are longing for? What is the ache that you're hoping to satisfy? It could be the desire to feel valued on your job. It could be health in your relationships. It could be financial security. It could be peace or companionship. And finally, what truth, and this is, this is the most important part of this practice this week, and, and here's the point, most important part, and, and what truth do you need to rehearse to yourself? Practically rehearsing entails reading, meditating, and implying the truth found in God's word, the Bible, and the life of Jesus to the circumstances that you find yourself facing. Here's the Holy Spirit's ministry to you, and the promise in these moments is to provide satisfaction for your ache and your need. And here's what I want everybody to know here this morning, that is a promise that some way, somehow, that God promises that he'll provide a level of satisfaction for us with whatever we need. For some of you, perhaps here today, again, you're longing for peace. These are just some scriptures that I've used to encourage myself. If you're longing for peace, remind yourself of Isaiah 26.3, which says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If, if you're longing for others to see your value, remind yourself of 1 John 4.4, that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. If you're longing for the stability, for stability due to unexpected circumstances in life, remind yourself of Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And finally, once you have identified your distant place, once you've identified your need or longing and you have a truth to rehearse that addresses this need in your life, I want to encourage you to do three things. I want to encourage you to pray through it. I want to encourage you to journal about it. I want to encourage you to share it with a spouse or friend or someone in your small group or somebody that you trust. And here's what's really important at the end of this process, and I want you to trust that your heavenly father will satisfy that need in a way that allows you to continue to move forward. Here's my bottom line for today. How do you get back on track regardless of what you're facing? Here's step one, and we're going to continue with step two and three over the next couple of weeks. Remember that where you are in life doesn't change who you are. And we're going to pick up right here next week 
with part two of Prodigals. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, we thank you for who you are. And the reminder this morning that where we are is not who we are. But Lord, the good news of the gospel, Lord, is that that you choose to use us, to grow us, to shape us, to develop us, even when we're experiencing parts of our story that we would not have ridden in. And so, Lord, I pray for every person of the sound of my voice and whatever their distant place is, that this week, as they, as they seek you, that you will provide the satisfaction that they need to continue to move on. And as we continue throughout this series, Lord, I pray that we would understand that your invitation is always for us to come home, to receive what we need to be who you've called us to be and to do what you've called us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.